My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. Carpe diem. Seize the day. There's no place like home. He's looking at you, kid. Do or do not. There is no try. They remember forever the night they played the Titans. Welcome back. Glad you guys are here for week two of At The Movies. A little bit lighter today than what we have been the last couple of weeks, but hey, we knew summer vacation was going to happen eventually. We're glad you guys chose to join us this morning for, for worship. So last week we kicked off this series and we talked about parables. Jesus taught in them and we said, hey, a parable, a parable is just this. It's a story with a truth in it told in a sticky way. Right? And so we looked at some of the different things about parables, and today we're actually going to look at a parable that Jesus told, a story that he shared that had a truth hidden inside of it. This, this story is one of the, the better-known parables that Jesus told. It comes to us from Luke chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, you can start turning towards Luke chapter 15. In fact, it's part of what we actually have is a series of parables, right? There's three of them in this chapter. The first one is called the lost sheep. The second one is called the lost coin. And the third one should probably be called the lost son. But we know it by a different name. Usually it's referred to as the prodigal son. The prodigal son. Now, how many of you in here know what the word prodigal means? Anybody want to hazard a guess as to what the word prodigal means? Daniel's like, don't call on me. I'm not even going to make eye contact with him because I don't want to be called on. You know, it's not a word that we really use in English except to describe this story. And, and or, in the same context, we might say somebody was a prodigal son based off of this story. It's actually a word that is Latin. And it means lavish, right? That's what the word prodigal means. But I might be getting a little bit ahead of myself because we're going to look at where this idea came from. And I think some of our truth is hidden in this word and in that meaning of lavish. So if you have your Bibles, open them up with me. We're going to start in verse 11. It says this. It says, And Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey into a far country. Let's pray. Father, I think this is one of the most incredible stories that Jesus told and. um I know last week as we talked about parables, we talked about that we needed to be super listeners and that that's not just that we hear something, but God, that it leads us to act upon it. Father, I pray in this moment right now that we wouldn't just hear words, but God, that it would 
move us, it would motivate us, and that we would walk out of here different than when we came in. Father, I just give you all of the glory and all of the honor. It's in your precious and holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you. I found a song that saved me through a time. You know how music does that? I was dealing with loss, with pain, and I heard this song and it blew my soul wide open. It became my anthem. It rescued me. And I just kept wondering, who could write this? What did they have to go through to be able to give this gift to me? This is hope, pure hope. It's an amazing song. It just kind of happened. Lyrics took about 10 minutes, I guess. Music took about the same. Bart, you didn't write this song in 10 minutes. It took a lifetime. How'd you do this? You're up early? Made my son breakfast. What's with the get up? Going to a funeral? No. Just going to church, Dad. Mm, church. Sit down and eat. Come on, sit down and eat. Getting cold. Did you see this? Did you see that? Look at that. <laughs> Fred Page. You look like a Pinocchio cowboy. <laughs> it's a good joke. So that's what I am to you, a joke? I didn't say that. You just said it. What? Don't put words in my mouth. What if I want to sing? Why is that so funny? I mean, maybe I'm good at it. The pastor of the church asked me to sing this morning. It's got to mean something. He asked you to sing for a living? That's what I'm saying. You're going to need to find something you're good at that you can actually earn a living at because you're going to have to support yourself one of these days. Why do you even know? You've never even heard me sing. Well, that's not my fault. All I hear out of you is whining and moaning. Okay. I'm singing this morning at church, 10 o'clock on radio AM 1080. Why don't you come watch no, me sing? I can't do that. Why not? No, I just don't belong there. Why? I just don't. I don't. Don't belong there. Okay. My boy barks. Oh, he's nothing but a big disappointment. I wish you'd never been born. Everything been just fine. All my problems are because of Bart. Hey, hey you put words in my mouth. I'm going to put a fist in your face. Yeah, I'm a little big for that, Dad. Oh, you think yet? Yeah. I think Is those days are over. Yeah. Is that what you I think? do, yeah. Listen, if you have to talk to me with respect, I'm the one that puts food on the table. I earned a living around here, and I'm the one who stayed. I don't see your mama anywhere. Yeah, well, nobody blames her for leaving, Dad. I would have left, too. Just shut up. Just shut up and eat. 
not hungry, teacher. Not hungry. I mean, we're, we're graduating soon. You're going off to college. I'm chasing some stupid dream, right? I never said your dream was stupid. I mean, this has been fun. No regrets for me, all right? But people change, you know what I mean? We obviously can't get along anymore. I'm leaving. Shit. That's graduation. I'm, I'm gone. Please don't. What? Go. I can't stay here, Shannon. The Bart Millard Story. You may not know who Bart Millard is, but you probably have heard the song, I Can Only Imagine. Bart Millard is the, the guy who wrote the song, I Can Only Imagine. Now, most of us can probably understand why it is that Bart left home. Now, as Jesus began his story, he didn't tell us why the younger son, let's just call him J.R. or Junior as we go through our story so we can kind of keep it straight. He didn't tell us why it is that Junior left. But we know that he did leave. But we do find some other things that are kind of surprising right here at the very beginning of the story. Jesus opens up his story and he says, there was a man with two sons. Now those who would have been sitting listening to Jesus would have immediately thought of Adam, who had two sons, right? Cain and Abel. They would have thought, they would have thought of Abraham, who had Ishmael and Isaac. They'd have thought of Isaac, who again had two sons, Esau and Jacob. And they might have even thought of Joseph, who again had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And when Jesus says that the younger brother asked for his inheritance and the father gave it, you know, we sometimes go, oh, this is such a, a huge deal. And it really, it might have been something really kind of uncouth and unwise for the younger son to have asked. And there have been some that have said, hey, this was like him saying to his father, dad, I, I really just wish that you were dead already because I just want your stuff. But that's not really what was surprising in this story because the younger son getting a blessing had happened throughout the stories of those 
patriarchs who had two sons. So Jesus set them up from the very beginning about these two sons. Now perhaps as uncouth and unwise as the younger son, Junior, asking for all of his father's possessions to be given to him is the dad's response, right? He goes ahead and divides his wealth amongst the sons. Now, don't get this wrong. Sometimes we think this because we have a different perspective. We think, oh, he divided it so half went to Junior and half went to the older brother. Well, the Bible doesn't tell us that that's how much went on either side. In fact, the dad is the one who got to choose how much he gave to Junior. Now, we speculate because customary, the firstborn son got what was considered a double blessing. And so he would have actually received two-thirds, and the younger son would have received one-third. But we don't know how much the younger son received. What we do know is, is that a few days later, after the division of all of the wealth, the younger son continues the division in the family, and he takes off and he heads to the far country. Now, I had to laugh and chuckle when I saw that left the far country, if you will, for him was Oklahoma City. Those of you who know me very well, I grew up and lived in Oklahoma City. I spent a small amount of time in Texas. I decided those people, whew, man. So I came back to Oklahoma City, which was the far country for Bart Millard, all right? And so I had to laugh about that. But, you know, he, in Oklahoma City, he met a, a group of musicians that was there, and they began to, to sing together, they toured together, they began to produce some albums together, and they continued together until they got their big break. And their big break came in Nashville. Me out, man. Sorry. It's nerves, you know. We said hurry up. I thought it was good, right? It felt good. It was good, man. It was the best show we ever played. Crowd was into it. I'm gonna go talk to him. Okay, Brickle's got it. Let him do his job. What if he can't? Hey, wait, wait, wait. 
No. That's a mistake. But if you could see how far they've come from the first time I saw them. Hey, hey guys, gentlemen. Oh, and also lady. So you guys uh, know nice Bart. to meet y'all. Thanks for coming out tonight. But I've been getting some good feedback from these guys, and I'm almost, I'm almost awesome finished. Or what? I mean, don't y'all agree? I think we're pretty much finished up here anyway. Oh, come on, I want to know what you think. Uh, let me, let me finish. I up want here. to know what they think. You really want to know? Yeah, I do. Come on, lay it on me. Give me all you got, Mr. Music Man. I have the skin of a rhino. All I got, okay. I'm sorry to have to be the one to tell you this, kid, but, um, you're just not good enough. Look, you need to embrace reality, Bart. You're stuck. You're not good enough, Bart. Dreams don't pay the bills. All it does is keep you from all this. From knowing what's real. What about the stuff we played at the end? The worship music? Oh, it was beautiful. Magical. Truly. I've got a brother-in-law in Denver. He's looking for a worship pastor. I could put you two together if you like. Is she serious? It's the truth you're mad at. Not me. My high school football team. There are a couple of guys. They're good enough to make a big noise in a small town. That was it. You know what? They're still there. They're stuck. And that's what'll happen to you. Gotta be good at something we can Just sell. stop! Do you guys not get it? Okay, we've given everything for this moment. There's no plan B for us. Okay, we will do whatever it takes. We will work harder than anybody else. Tell me what you need me to do. Look, I work with a lot of bands, and I can recognize who's gonna make it and who isn't. And I gotta tell you the truth, Bart. You won't. How dare you say that? You don't even know me. Go home. That's what you should do. Dad, I can do this. No, you can't. I can do no, this. No, you can't. And you're gonna blink your eyes, and you're gonna realize that you're nothing. And that life has gotten you nowhere because you chased some stupid dream. Wake up! Let me finish it. No. Bart. No. I'm not. Can I come in or you want to sulk a little longer? Let me ask you something, Bart. What are you running from? My dad. He, uh... He... He beat you, didn't he? You ain't got no poker face, kid. And I carry that. I have to live with that, you know? I always will. Then write about it. Stop running from it. Let that pain become your inspiration. And then you'll have something that people can believe in. But to do that, Got to face your fear, son. Bart had put everything on the line. Right? And in an instant, it was all gone. Junior had kind of experienced the same thing. Look with me at verses 14 through 19. It says this It says, While in the far country, he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine rose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to that country. And that citizen sent him out into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed, 
even with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. Finally, he came to himself and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I'm going to perish here with hunger. I'll arise and go to my father, and I'll say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So Jesus uses a couple of words uh, to describe the young son, Junior's living, right? The first one that he uses is a word in the Greek that is dioscorpazo. It's like scorpion, right? And it means to waste, to squander, or to separate. And usually we go straight to squander and waste as what it was that Jesus was trying to make a point of. But he uses a second word just a moment later. And that word is an, is an adverb. Now, I don't know how many of you are English majors in here, right? But at some point along the way, I learned that the difference between an adjective and an adverb is what it is that they point back to, right? An adjective points back to a noun, and it modifies the noun. It gives you some description about it. But an adverb, it points back to the verb, and it modifies what the verb is. And so Jesus uses an adverb in just a moment that is a sotos. Asotos. And the word asotos is where we get the word prodigal from. But in the Greek, it literally means loosely. So here it is. Jesus tells a story and he says the son runs away and separates himself. And he lives as loose as he possibly can from who his father was. What an interesting picture. Right? It's a little bit different than, oh, he went and gambled and spent it on um, all of these alcohol and drugs and food. And maybe that is what he did. I don't know. But I think Jesus was giving us this picture of a young man who desired to separate himself from everything about his father. He desired to separate himself not only from his father, from his father's reputation, that's why he left him into the far country, but he even desired to separate himself from his father's wealth. And so he lived as loose as he possibly could in comparison to his father. James Boyce says this. He says, there are steps away from God and here they are, it's rebellion against the Father, desire for total independence, waste of the inheritance, a desperate need, debasement, and finally, bondage. It's always the way of sin. Wow. J.R. continued through all of these things until he hit rock bottom. And let's not mix anything about it, J.R. did not stumble his way through these different steps. He ran right through them all. I love that quote in the movie where Trace Atkins looks at Bart and he says to him, son, what are you running from? What are you running from? You know, the truth is, is that that's a scary, scary question to have to face. Some of us sitting in this room right now, if we were honest, 
there are things that we're running away from right now in this moment. In my own life, I know that there are things that I run away from. Sometimes they are small things. They're just obedience things, something that God has called me to do. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know if I really want to do that. And I run away scared from what my father wants me to do. Sometimes, though, these things are huge things in our lives. And we run as far away as we possibly can. We try to bury these things. We try to hide these things. We try to disguise these things. We want to do whatever we can to run away from whatever it is. The son was running away from something. I think he was running away from his father. The very image of his father And I think every moment that he looked into a mirror or reflection in the pond and saw what it was looking back at him and saw his father still there, he went and dove in even further to separate himself even more and was even more loosely associated than he could possibly be from who his father was. And oh, what a truth about how sometimes we live our own lives trying to separate ourselves from the heavenly father. As J.R. neared the bottom, right, he had a moment. He had a moment where he finally woke up. He had a dialogue with himself, and he says, Oh, I wish I could even just go back to my father's house. He knew that his father could still meet his needs. He woke up. Same is true for we can always meet our needs. I think it's interesting that as he walked back, you know, sometimes we say, oh, it's this great picture of repentance. He's like, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. But listen, this was a rehearsed thing that he was saying. You ever had the little kids where they're like, he said an apology, but he didn't really mean it? Right? I think this was that moment that was going on for Junior. He had a rehearsed apology that he was going to give to the Father. And just like Junior turned and headed home, Bart had to go home. He'd hit rock bottom. He had nowhere left to go. And so he went back home, just as Trace had suggested to him. The band continued east, and I headed back west, hoping they would wait on me. I knew I needed to deal with things at home. I needed to face the pain. But the closer I got, the only thing I felt was dread. Hey, Bart. Are you hungry? I, uh... I heard you come in last night, so I made some bacon and uh, cinnamon rolls and uh, a frittata, which I just learned how to make. When did you learn how to cook? Well, I've been learning a lot lately. Won't you go on in there? I, I set the table. Well, 
gonna say grace. What? I'll do it. God, it's me here, Arthur. I wanna thank you for answering my prayer. And uh, rub it up, Doug, and thanks for the grub. Amen. So you found God or something? Well, I've, I've been listening to some preachers on the radio and uh, uh, reading the Bible and whatnot. What part? The, all of it. And uh, a couple of times, actually. And uh, it's pretty confusing. It's like Leviticus. What is that? I don't, I, I don't get it. What prayer? You said God answered a prayer. What prayer? Who's seeing you again? Oh, Dad, I've been busy. <clears throat> yeah. I guess you noticed I've got a few projects going on around here. And I got one out in the garage I was hoping that you'd help me with. Uh, I've been uh, rebuilding a Jeep of mine. And, man, when I was your age, I made some limbers in that Jeep. And I was hoping that maybe we could uh, get it running again and... Go somewhere. What are you doing? Do what is this? I, I wrote you some letters. Did you get them? Yeah. Threw them away. Did you read them? Nope. Oh. I, I thought that's why you came back last night, huh? Oh, I well. I was just trying to make a memory, that's all. That's kind of hard for me to do, Dad. Because all the memories that we have together are bad. Uh, if you want some, get some ketchup. Son, I, I know that I, I did some things that I'm You did some so things? I got a memory for you, Dad. That night you beat me so badly that I had to sleep on my stomach because I was so bruised. I couldn't move. What was I, 10? 11? Yeah, I remember that. What am I gonna do, Bert? I, I just, I wanna make things right. You and me, and um, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do it. I'm trying. I'm reading a lot of books I don't understand, and I just got a lot of questions about myself. If God can forgive everybody else, why can't he forgive me?
God can forgive you. I can't. What a powerful moment in the movie. God can forgive you. Look with me as the younger son returns home. Starts in verse 20. It says, And he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now is found. And so they began to celebrate. You know, a lot of people have made much about the father running to go see the young boy. And it's true, it may have been a little bit undignified for a father to have done those sorts of things. But I don't think that's the surprising thing that we see here. I think the surprising thing that we see is the father's response to the boy. As he begins to say those rehearsed lines, Dad, I know that I've sinned against you and against heaven, the dad doesn't even listen to the words that he says. He turns to the servant and he begins to give instructions about what's going to happen next as he begins to restore the son. And I think the thing that I want us to see, and it's very tangent to what I think the main point of this entire parable is, is that is forgiveness is found in the Father. He doesn't wait to hear the words. The mere action of the Son coming back into His presence has granted the forgiveness from the Father. He doesn't need to hear any excuse or any story or what's taken place in the last time since he saw him he's like you made an action of turning and coming to me to meet your needs and i'm going to do that forgiveness is found in the father now to be clear i I want us to understand something i don't think that the father is a picture of our heavenly father You say, wait a second, time out. You just said forgiveness is found in the Father. What do you mean that this Father is not a picture of our Heavenly Father? I thought that's where forgiveness comes from. No, I think it comes from Jesus. Now, you could argue with me if you want. You can try and you may be sitting there in your head and going, well, wait, time out. You could play the trump card on me. Aren't God and Jesus the same thing? Isn't God the one who gives forgiveness? Doesn't John 3.16 say that God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus? Yes, it does. He sent Jesus. And Jesus is the one who died on a cross. He took the punishment for our sins. And because of that, he's the one who can offer forgiveness. So forgiveness is found in the Father, but it's because of the Son.
you know, had Jesus' story stopped right here. I think that celebration would have been warranted and everybody would have been like, yes, the lost son has come home and is found. But the story doesn't end here. If you pick it up, it continues on for another seven verses. Let me read them because it says that there's somebody else who's missing in the family all of a sudden. He says, now his older son was out in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard all of the music and the dancing. And he called one of the servants. He didn't walk into the house. No, he called one of the servants while he was still outside of the house, not a part of the celebration. And he says to him, he says, what is all of this meant? What does it mean? And the servant said to him, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But the son was angry and he refused to go in. And the father came out, and he entreated him, and he answered to his father, and he said, Look, for many years I have served you, and I've never disobeyed your commands, yet you never even gave me a goat. Hmm. He said, But this son of yours, who has devoured your property, who spent it on prostitutes, by the way, does the older son know where he's been and what's been going on? No clue. But he's going to assume the worst, and he wants his dad to assume the worst of all of this that's going on. And he says, but him, him, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, the father said, he said, son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. And it is fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead, and now he is alive. He was lost, and now he is found. Show you, Dad. 
questions, I can show you how. you to finish that sentence. Now, you may say to me, you don't know how hard it is for me to forgive this person. You don't know what they've done. And I'd say, I know it's hard. But if you have been forgiven by God, then he gives you the power to forgive others. is forgiveness. What we're running away from is forgiveness. We, we want to resist that forgiveness. We don't want to give it. We don't want it to be given. We just want to run away from it. I want to ask you to, to do the same thing that Bart was asked to do as a young boy at, at a camp. He was asked to write down, today I choose to forgive. You don't have to fill in the blank today, but I want to encourage you to take that home and to begin to think about, who do I need to forgive? For some of us in the room, the answer is myself. I need to forgive myself. Forgive myself for running away. Forgive myself for the past mistakes that I've made. Some of you, though, maybe somebody else in your life. Maybe some of you, it's a spouse who hurt you at some point in time. Maybe it's a, a boss that at some point drew a deep wound. And it's been easier at this point to live not forgiving them. I think for forgiveness is perhaps one of the hardest and most uncomfortable things that Jesus asks of us. To forgive somebody else. To forgive ourselves. But forgiveness was lavished from that father onto the son. In fact, those who were sitting in the audience would have been like, I don't understand the kind of lavish forgiveness that's going on. And we see that highlighted by the older brother who's like, I don't get it. Dad, I've been here this whole time and you're choosing to just waste all of this stuff 
on him. I think it's interesting that they killed the fatted calf at this moment and had a big giant celebration. They had a robe brought out and shoes brought out to the son because you know what that tells me is that this father had immense wealth. This guy was like a Bill Gates, if you will, right? So whatever he had divided up and given to the younger son had not impacted his wealth whatsoever. And the older son knew that because he's like, Dad, you could have very easily have done anything for me while I was still here to celebrate me, and you didn't. And he's like, oh, but I did. He's like, you always had everything that was mine. It was all yours. And he begins to invite the son to come in to be part of the celebration because he's like, this celebration is not just about your son, but it's that I have all of my sons. It's for everything, for all of us. And my son who was once dead, he is alive. You know, John Newton, he was a slave trader who wrote a song that most of us know Not I can only imagine the song that we're talking about in this movie, but he wrote the song Amazing Grace. And the reason that that's so interesting is that he was a slave trader. And while on the boat one day, he met God in a powerful way. One day he was having a conversation with a young minister, and the minister was doubting the salvation of somebody. And the minister said, well, if that person is forgiven, I shall never despair the conversion of anyone again. Newton looked at him and replied, he said, I never did since the day that God saved me. Late than never. We got a special treat for you this morning. Any of y'all heard the uh, story of John Newton? He was a sea captain, slave trader. He was tormented and racked with guilt and shame. Well, he found forgiveness. He found Christ. He wrote a little song about that called Amazing Grace. That song touched the world. Hey. What? Figured out why you like John. What? Why you like to fix things, why you. You make something out of nothing all the time. (laughs) They got a word for that. What's that word? It's redemption. Redemption? Yeah. Hey. Hey, what is is this note here? Right there. What's that note? G. Yeah. What's that note? C. C. G, C. Get some competition now, boy. Yeah. listening Bart I was listening to you on the radio 
radio. Because he'd sing, and I'd listen to every word, and then he'd finish, and then I'd listen to what they were talking about there at church. That's what saved me. I was real proud of you God set me free, bird. Yeah. I wonder. I never made much money, but I have my life insurance, and I I tried to save everything I could. And I want you to have that, so you can pay attention to your singing. You sing a song, son. I'm sleepy. You know, Bart said about his dad many years later, I watched as God transformed the man, the man that I hated, into the man that I desperately wanted to become. That's redemption. That's redemption. You see, forgiveness leads to redemption. I think more than anything, that's what this parable is about. That forgiveness leads to redemption. You see, the younger son, he gets redemption. He gets to experience the father's forgiveness and be redeemed. But the older son, the older son we're left wondering about. Perhaps the older son really is the lost son inside of this story. Because he refused to be a part of the story of forgiveness and the story of redemption. 
And really, I think that's the challenge of this parable. It doesn't matter if you identify more with the younger son or more with the older son. It's still the same challenge. And the challenge is, are you willing to be a part of the story of forgiveness and redemption? Or are you running from it? Are you unwilling to give it? Are you forsaking redemption? Are you forsaking forgiveness and seeing and giving it into somebody else and seeing that sort of redemption take place in their life? It's a tough question. And maybe, maybe if you're honest, maybe that's not you at this moment. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. File this away. Because you're going to have a moment. A moment where you get to decide, am I going to forgive and watch somebody be redeemed? Or am I not? And I think that's a tough place to be in, but I think that's the challenge that Jesus is asking of everybody that is listening in this moment. Is, are you willing to be a part of the story? The story of forgiveness and redemption. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you for an incredible challenge today. And God, I know that there are constantly moments in my life where you call me to forgive because I am forgiven. And you call me towards that redemption and to allow it to happen in somebody else's life. God, I pray that I would live that out this week as I go. That I could see that amazing grace that you have poured out on others. That I could see it in my own life. God, I just continue to give you all of the glory in all of the honor. It's in your precious and holy name I pray.